Separating the policy from the politics, delving deeper into what is happening in our world today, and sharing the information you may not know if you didn't listen to this show. iHub Radio presents The Lovable Liberal. This is the Anita Rufus Show, civil discourse on current events and politics. Here's Anita. Okay, thank you so much for joining me. This is Anita Rufus, The Lovable Liberal. You're listening to iHub Radio. Today's show, just a quick rundown. President Biden is in Europe. Our standing in the world has improved a lot since he took office, and he hasn't even been there that long. The cicadas invaded the plane. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Damn, I hate bugs. It's Pride Month, and uh, if you don't know about Ballet Trocadero, you will before the show is over. They're coming to the Coachella Valley, and they are wonderful. Anyway, that's kind of an overview of what we're going to talk about today. I want to start with an update on the virus. Um, President Biden set a goal of 70% of all adults in the United States being vaccinated at least with their first shot by July 4th and it's looking like that may not happen you know the southern states a lot of the southern states that little block of states that's Alabama and Mississippi their percentage of people who have been vaccinated is very low and I have to share this news because this this kind of brought me up short when I saw it Um, Just because you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't still get the virus. What it means is if you're vaccinated and you do get the virus, the chances of you ending up in the hospital or on a ventilator are slim to none. But if you have any symptoms, you know, this is why still when you go to the doctor's office, even if they know you're vaccinated, they still ask you, do you have any fever? Have you had a runny nose? Whatever. And so if, even if you've been vaccinated, if you have symptoms of COVID, you should get tested. Because even if you're fully vaccinated, you can have what they refer to as a breakthrough case. You won't be at high risk. But if you're infected, you can pass that virus on to somebody who has not been vaccinated. You may have someone in your family who is older or objects to vaccinations or has some underlying condition that made them not willing to get vaccinated. If you get the vaccination breakthrough, meaning that you have some symptoms and you may test positive for the virus, even if your symptoms are very minimal, even if you don't end up getting really sick, you can at that point still pass it on. So just know, even if you've been vaccinated, if you have symptoms of COVID, get a test so that you know how to protect others around you. And in the, in the name of transparency if that happened to me i'm fully vaccinated but if i thought i had the virus and i tested positive if i went somewhere with a group of people most of whom were vaccinated and nobody was wearing a mask i would tell people i have tested positive 
I'm vaccinated, but if you're vulnerable, you need to be wearing a mask. Anyway, it's important to at least know that. The vaccination does not mean you cannot get COVID. It means you are protected against the worst effects of COVID. But if you get it, even if you're vaccinated, especially if you're not vaccinated, if you have symptoms and you test positive, you can be passing it along to someone who has no protection. Now, there's this variant. You know, they've changed the names of the variants. Now they're using um, kind of Greek letter designations, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. And there's a fourth variant that they've discovered, which was first recorded in India, which, if you recall, has had a horrendous spike of cases. Um, the variant labeled Delta That variant has spread. In Britain, they're having cases with regard to that variant, and it has become dominant. And they have one of the most successful vaccination programs in the world. So, this is another reason that not only should you get vaccinated, but you should make sure that the people you care about in your family, your friends, that they get vaccinated. Now, it's been interesting to me to kind of watch what's been going on in the various states. And in those states, if you'll recall, for example, in Florida, we're not shutting down. Governor DeSantis, we're not shutting down. We're not going to close up all our businesses. We're just not going to do that. Whereas in California, it isn't even until next week that the state of emergency here in California will be lifted and we no longer will be required to wear masks indoors in every situation, although there may still be some businesses that will want that. But here's what, this is the kind of stuff that just makes me happy in a perverse way. It's the liberal in me that gets happy perversely. New statistics have come out, and it turns out that the strict rules that we've had in California compared with the rules they've had in Florida, California has beat Florida in terms of economic success even during this pandemic year. There's an assumption, of course, that the more that a government limits people getting together and mandates masks, that that's going to do economic damage. And Governor DeSantis down in Florida raised his profile nationwide by allowing bars and restaurants to, open, uh, to operate at full indoor capacity, even during the surges that we've had. And now he has effectively banned any mask mandate for much of the same period of time, the counter-argument is that economic activity is mainly affected by the rising and falling of the pandemic numbers and not by the relative strictness of the measures that are implemented. Because, think about this, and maybe this is true for the way you thought about this too, the more the virus seems to be under control, 
the more eager people are to participate in the economy. Big states, there was a, a, a report that was done by economists at UCLA, and what they found is that big states with more stringent COVID measures ended 2020 with fewer infections per capita and tended to post better economic growth numbers in the past year. So I think that's pretty good news, and there is that liberal part of me that perversely likes that because I'm sick and tired of Governor DeSantis being such a... Oh, what's a nice word that I can say on the air about what I think about Governor DeSantis? Um, Now, you know, this has been going on for a while, even before Donald Trump left office. They've been trying to demonize Dr. Fauci because not only was he highlighted with some facial expressions that made it clear he was not happy with things that President Trump was saying at the time, but also that his polling numbers were much higher than President Trump's. Fauci, I think, was somebody put forward the idea that Dr. Fauci should be named the sexiest man alive next year in People magazine, which is absurd, of course. But this focus on where the virus came from really is an attempt to distract us from the failures of the Trump administration with regard to this virus. They had a, an uneven response. It was chaotic. Well, it'll be gone when the weather gets warm. President Trump, I think it was over a year ago, said, oh, we have it under control, yada, yada, yada. But meanwhile, this demonization of Dr. Fauci, Republicans are now calling for him to resign. Well, he's obviously too old for the job because he said things that were contradictory. Well, this is how science works. You give the best information you have based on the information you have. And when you get more information, you update the information that you're giving out. They have focused on the early moments of the virus when originally Dr. Fauci and the other scientists were saying wearing a mask wouldn't make any difference. And then they discovered, yes, it would, both for the person who might have it and the person who might get it. And at a time when the number of vaccinated people is rising and deaths from the virus are at their lowest levels, This is now back on the front burner of the political debate because they're making it about Fauci. Trump said, well, everybody's agreeing that I was right when I early on called Wuhan as the source of the virus. And he always says, sometimes referred to as the China virus. Who referred to it as the China virus before Trump started saying that? 
and we know what some of the results of that were. And I have a kind of contrarian view about this investigation of where it came from. Sure, it would be helpful to scientists to know, did it come directly from animals to humans, or was study being done on animals that might have it that then leaked out from wherever lab they were studying it, or the really nefarious underlying reality, which is the Republicans, sadly are trying to find a way to blame this virus on the idea that the Chinese developed it deliberately as a weapon. Now that would be horrifying if true, and if true it would be worth knowing. But I have to tell you there's a part of me at this point that says after 600,000 deaths in the United States from this virus, I don't care where it came from. I want us to get rid of it. Now, you may have watched on the news the fact that there are some really crazy people out there. There's a doctor in Ohio. Her name is Sherry Tenpenny. She stood up and said, how, wanted to know how lawmakers would answer to God if they allow businesses to require employees to be vaccinated. How are you going to answer to God if you do that? She is, by the way, according to news sources, she is one of the 12 people most responsible for vaccine disinformation on social media. 12 people are apparently responsible for about 65% of the misinformation about the, the vaccine that's out on social media. Meanwhile, Ohio, which is where she was expounding, ranks 35th in terms of the percentage of adults who've received at least one dose. And a good question is, should employers require people to prove they're vaccinated before they come back to work? This is Anita Rufus, the lovable liberal on iHub Radio. lovable, she's liberal, and she's here to bring a tone of civility to political discussion you aren't likely to find anywhere else. The Anita Rufus Show, with your lovable liberal on iHub Radio. Here's Anita. Okay, I was talking about this crazy doctor, Sherry Tenpenny, in Ohio. And among the things she said when she was testifying to these lawmakers in the state, she said, for those of you that say you are Christians, what will your life review look like at the end of your life? Will the Lord say to you something like, you coerced people to be injected with this gene modification technology that irreversibly disrupts your chromosomes? So look, here's the truth. According to the Centers for Disease Control and scientists who've been working on this virus, the kind of vaccine that is going into our arms from Pfizer and from Moderna never enters the nucleus of a cell and therefore cannot alter your chromosomes. 
Now, there was also a nurse who testified at that same committee hearing in the state of Ohio. She's an anti-vax nurse. And she got up there and talked about how what she had seen on, on social media. We should be shocked and horrified because whatever that little chip is that they're putting into that vaccine, it makes things stick to you because now you're magnetized. Now, if you haven't seen some of the pictures of people claiming to be magnetized online, it's really kind of funny. But then this nurse who's standing at the microphone talking to the Ohio lawmakers about why they should not require that businesses have to see if people are vaccinated. (laughs) She said, look, here's what it does. Clearly indicating she, although she's anti-vax, she clearly had been vaccinated or else she wouldn't have been trying to show you that she was now magnetized. But putting aside that little bit of logical yuck, she stuck something to her chest that did stay there for a minute, and then she was showing them how her neck was also magnetized. She tried the same coin or whatever the the metal object was that she had stuck to her chest, She tried that on her neck, and of course it immediately fell off. And then she tried a bobby pin. And while she was talking, she kept slapping that bobby pin against the side of her neck. And of course it didn't stay. Look, this stuff is cuckoo. And it is scary how many people are getting what they call their news from online sources. In Wisconsin, a state lawmaker, Shay Sortwell, a Republican state lawmaker in Wisconsin, compared a mask policy at a local children's museum to a Nazi party dictate. He said, the Gestapo wants to see your papers, please. Now, this children's museum, remember, children have not all been vaccinated yet. They haven't approved it yet for the youngest children. This children's museum asks most visitors over the age of five to wear a mask when they're inside the museum. Vaccinated visitors can choose whether they want to wear a mask while inside or not. And they've had lots of negative calls and comments from around the country. Why are you requiring this? Shame on you. But a lot of people have also come out in support of the museum. Meanwhile, this representative Sortwell apparently doesn't even represent any place that is close to the place where this museum is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Somebody said, to the best of my knowledge, he's never even been to the Children's Museum. I'm wondering what personal beef he has with Stevens Point or the museum in making a comment relating to the Gestapo. So Representative Sortwell said that he was asking for medical information because he claims the museum is doing exactly what the Gestapo did. They start off by getting people's records 
and they did it in Germany to prove you weren't a filthy Jew because they thought Jewish people were diseased and were spreading disease. Now, the truth is, even very young children can develop COVID-19. And some children, if you'll think back when we were at the worst of our peak, and this is alarming, some children have developed very severe complications if they get the virus. Very severe. It's called a multi-system inflammatory syndrome, and it can lead to problems with the heart, with other bodily organs, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, the brain can become inflamed and children can die from this. The rate of children who are being hospitalized has actually grown and children are capable of spreading the infection. For heaven's sake, get vaccinated get the people you care about vaccinated. This is not something to fool around with. And I might add that as a result of what I've learned during this pandemic, when flu season comes around, I'm wearing a mask every time I go outside or inside around other people. Don't be stupid. so divided she's a uniter not a divider this is the anita rufus show featuring the lovable liberal on ihub radio here's anita okay i want to remind you uh, following my show uh, this afternoon i'm on from one to three live on thursdays and at th- from three to four you can listen to randy florence here on ihub radio with his coachella valley chronicles Uh, Today, he's going to be talking with Dick Oliphant, who is a true pioneer in our area. Um, Built one of the first residential golf communities. And and, um, he knows where the bodies are buried here in the Coachella Valley. Okay, I want to talk about um, the president is in England right now. Uh, He's going to be meeting with the G7. And for those of you who don't know, the G7 is the organization of the wealthy democracies. Uh, It was G8 for a while. They had Russia in it. But President Obama, I believe it was, knocked Putin out of the G8 and put it back to being the G7, partly because of some of the shenanigans that Putin was pulling. But the president is in England. He has met with uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of England. Um, Biden's agenda, you know, he's got about three to six months left to push through some of the biggest things on his agenda list. And already they're running into a lot of problems because the Senate is equally divided. And Democratic Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, is dragging his feet. He doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster. He doesn't want to um, support some really significant legislation. 
unless there is buy-in from Republicans as well. Um, the very, very aggressive H.R. Uh, 1, the, the first bill that was passed by the House of Representatives, which is a voting rights bill, Manchin is not going to support that, no matter what way they decide they want to try and push it through. He's not going to support it unless Republicans support it as well. And I have to say, I do understand his reasoning. I may not agree with him. I think we need to get as much pushed through as we can before we head into the 2022 elections, which could confront historical trends and actually increase the number of Democrats in the Senate. But nevertheless... I understand where Manchin's coming from because something as important as voting rights, if Congress doesn't get it right with a bipartisan bill, then if a Republican becomes president next time around or a Republican majority takes over the Senate, they'll just push through another bill to change it. And I understand his reasoning. Upon arriving in England, President uh, Biden spoke to Air Force personnel and their families at the Royal Air Force Base Mildenhall. And he said, and I really think this was an important speech for him to have made in his first trip after landing on European soil. He said, I believe we are at an inflection point in world history the moment when it fa falls to us to prove that democracies will not just endure, but they will excel as we rise to seize the enormous opportunities of a new age. We have to discredit those who believe that the age of democracy is over, as some of our fellow nations believe. We have to expose as false the narrative that decrees of dictators can match the speed and scale of the 21st century challenges. And I want to add that under President Biden, in the latest international polling that was done, global approval of the United States of America has rebounded Biden's approval, our country's approval, is now at a median of 75% in 12 advanced economies where they did this polling. In those same polls, while Biden was at 75%, Trump was at 17 Now, one of the biggest things that came out of this trip already was that uh, the president has said that he is planning to send half a billion doses of vaccine to 100 countries over the course of the next year. And what is important about that is there is an international group through the World Health Organization and through the other major nations in the world I think it's called COVAX. And President Biden is going to send 500 million doses 
that we are paying for. They will be sent at no cost to the nations, primarily poorer nations around the world that are struggling because they haven't been able to get the vaccine and can't afford to go on the open market and buy it. And I think the most significant thing is that President Biden has said there will be no strings attached. Because both China and Russia have vaccines and they have already been sending those vaccines to countries around the world that are poor countries, underdeveloped countries. But they're doing it with strings attached. We're not even sure what all the conditions are that China and Russia are putting on the distribution of their vaccines. But Biden is doing it with no strings attached. We don't expect them to pay us in any of the natural resources they might have in that country. We don't expect them to um, to buy our goods as a result of the fact that we're giving these vaccines to them. And this is an important way that the United States, through President Biden, is putting itself out into the world as a nation to be admired. And I have to say, it has taken us long enough to do this. These vaccines are going to go to about a hundred countries and will not be used as leverage. Now, another thing that President Biden has already done they have moved to protect wetlands, undoing a major move that was made by President Trump when he was in office. The Environmental Protection Agency will now be going back into this decades-long battle that has been fought both in the halls in Washington and across the nation's farmland over how far federal officials can or should go to stop contaminants from entering small streams and other wetlands. One of the best pieces I ever saw that explained this issue to me was the fact that when a power plant goes in at a certain point in a northern area of the Mississippi, let's say, and they dump their contaminants into the water, and that water then makes its way down whatever waterway is near that plant where they're dumping this crap. And it makes its way into a larger waterway, which continues to flow south and is used when it gets farther south to irrigate the fields of some farmer. Do you want to eat that food? I want to also talk for a minute about jobs and unemployment numbers. The economy added back more than half a million jobs in the month of May. And the unemployment rate dropped to 5.8%, came down a tenth of a percent, and it was at 6.1% just a couple months ago. Average hourly earnings went up. Average hourly earnings year over year went up. 
But the U.S. economy is still approaching 8 million jobs short of the jobs that we had before the pandemic hit. And at the current pace of job gains, it'll take us more than a year to recoup that number of jobs that was lost. Now, of course, a lot of the states are starting to um, eliminate the additional unemployment benefits that people have been getting, which is supposed to stop uh, as a result of the way the program was put together. It's supposed to stop in September in any event. But the vaccines have taken hold. People are feeling better. People are going back to work. And especially businesses that employ service employees, restaurants, bars, hotels, they're having trouble finding workers. Well, professional and business services, transportation and warehousing, temporary help services did swing back to increase numbers of people working in those fields in May. But in the world of salaries, I remember way back when, when I was younger, when there was a real shortage of qualified workers and businesses started offering incentives to get people to come to work for them. Incentives, the kind that usually you only got if you were in a union job. Regular employers started saying, well, hell, we'll give you two weeks of paid vacation every year. Remember when companies were building childcare centers in their buildings so that employees didn't have to worry about who was watching their kids? And yet, the latest index of pay equality. It's called the U.S. Private Sector Job Quality Index. They found that 55% of workers were in low-quality jobs where weekly wages were below the national average. And broken down by race, drastic inequality. Only 28% of Hispanic Americans had what are known as high-quality jobs. 29% of black Americans had what are known as high-quality jobs. In fact, since 2007, in the last 14 years, black Americans have seen a 6% decline in the quality of the jobs they hold and less than 1% decline overall for workers. A 29% increase for Hispanic workers, a 66% increase for Asian American workers but a 6% decline for black Americans. These are the kinds of things that need to get fixed by policy. You can't get them fixed by politics. This is Anita Rufus, the lovable liberal on iHub Radio. Lovable Liberal continues now on iHub Radio. Here's Anita Rufus. 
So one of the ways we can solve the problem of businesses having trouble finding workers, especially service workers, pay them more. For one thing, and I haven't heard anybody in Congress talking about this, why on earth are we still paying workers who get tips considerably below the minimum wage? The minimum wage, the federal minimum wage at about seven and a half bucks an hour is ridiculously low, but at least pay that to people who get tips who don't always get the tips. And a lot of times, if you're a really good waiter and the person you're working with is a really shitty waiter, but you have to share tips among all of the wait staff and all of the bus staff, I understand that it's a fair thing to do, but it's not fair if you're the one who got a good tip and you have to share part of that with somebody who didn't get a good tip because they didn't do good service. Plus, wages today are historically low. And they've been growing very slowly for decades for every income group other than the rich. They're doing just fine. And we found out this week not even paying much in taxes. Worker compensation right now is lower than at any point in the second half of the 20th century. And the cost of living has definitely gone up, even if wages haven't. Corporate profits, on the other hand, they're going up like crazy and make up a larger share of our gross domestic product than in previous decades. Most companies can afford to respond to a growing economy by raising wages and yet still continuing to make profits. And I know some businesses had a really tough time and, and barely managed to even stay alive during this past year plus. But if you think your business had a tough time, think about the people who worked for your business who don't have a job anymore and who are living in a state where the governor says, hey, we're not going to give you any extra unemployment to make sure you're okay. And as far as taking care of your kids, you're on your own. Go get a job. Now, with regard to the Biden administration, there are really like five key issues, policy issues that they want to try and get through. One is infrastructure and how it's going to be funded. And they do have a very broad definition of what they mean by infrastructure, including things like if the infrastructure isn't there for childcare, how can women go back to work since it keeps falling primarily on women to be taking care of their kids? Infrastructure and how it will be funded, big issue, and that's the one we've been hearing the most about recently. Voting rights, huge issue. In fact, um, I had 361 bills to change voting rights have been introduced in 47 of the 50 states. especially states that have Republican legislatures, they're passing voting laws that are absolutely absurd. 
Police reform, huge issue. And that does not mean defunding the police. That was a mistake the first time anyone uttered it. I said it at the time. I have said it all along. That is definitely not the right thing to be saying because we don't want to defund and get rid of our police forces. We want to have better training. We want to rethink how they are organized and funded and whether some of the funds that are now going for policing could be better put to mental health care and drug rehabilitation. Gun reform, huge issue. We, we had a 37-year ban on assault weapons, and it's time that we had it again. And what that judge decided uh, last week in California was insane. And, of course, the state is appealing it. And immigration reform, huge issue, must be dealt with. I don't agree with the rights position on a lot of things about immigration, but I have to say I thought Kamala Harris gave a bad impression of herself by some of the answers she gave when she was pressed about the right-wing concerns. Then why didn't she go to the border? Why is she in Guatemala or Mexico? She's approaching this from the point of view of how do we help to keep people where they are because most people would prefer to stay in their homes. But how do we influence those governments so that things can improve and people don't want to leave and come to the United States? But her answers to the questions she was pushed on were dumb. I just have to say they were dumb. She's not dumb. That's why I was so disappointed. Meanwhile, on infrastructure, the Republicans are only going to support it if there's no raise in taxes. Now, nobody wants more deficit spending because we are got a huge deficit as it is. The president in his bipartisan negotiations came way down from what he was originally asking for. And Republicans didn't seem to care that President Trump drove up the national debt while he was president. And there was no immediate political consequence for the Republicans as a result of that. Democrats are reluctant to open the door to deficit spending on what should be a bipartisan bill. And they are convinced that corporations and wealthy Americans need to pay more in taxes. But nothing's impossible. The Senate this past week passed the most significant industrial policy legislation in decades. And it was bipartisan. It still has to go through the House. And it could still face some changes. But it's to bolster our competitiveness against China. They approved roughly $250 billion to curtail China's economic and military uh, ambitions. This bill would invest in U.S. science and technology. And we need to focus on our investment in technology 
because government spending as a percentage of gross domestic product, China is spending the most. The U.S. is down at number seven worldwide. We need to fix that. In the next hour, I want to talk about Donald Trump and what the Republicans seem to think their agenda is right now. And I've got other news and some fun stuff. (laughs) 